Hello, today we have Andrei Belovtsev as our guest. He is the Chief Digital Officer in Gazprom Neft Company. Andrei, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. My first question will be dedicated to your Chief Digital Officer position. As far as I know, you became Chief Digital Officer in Gazprom Neft in April 2018. So what was um, the most difficult thing when you just start as CDO? Well, the most difficult thing when you start as CDO is to realize what you have to do. So, <laughs> who is CDO? Why is he invited to the company? What, what is the goal? Uh, what is the expectation of the business from the CDO role? Mm -hmm. So basically, you start uh, being alone in a hu huge organization and uh, first of all, I have to structure uh, what is exactly the needs of the organization itself of uh, key business stakeholders. And after that, you can start building the strategy of your further movements and decisions. In our case, I was an outsider to the company. I came from outside and it was probably a specific reason why I was invited from outside. But in many companies, CEO, uh, they elect um, a, a person from inside to become a CDO. And then uh, there is an open question, what is more vital for a CDO role? Uh, is he a technology person or he is more business-driven person? And both approach has its pros and cons. Mm -hmm. And what kind of person you are? Well, I definitely more about technology and a business, but my business background is not all in gas itself. Uh, I used to work a lot in um, different industries that uh, went through the process of this digital transformation like telcos and banks. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm also an entrepreneur. I ran my own business for uh, eight years and still up and running, but uh, I'm not managing operationally. So um, I was always working some, somewhere in between uh, with a good technology knowledge and a business acumen. But again, uh, oil and gas was a new industry for me. Mm -hmm. So you've never had any, any experience in oil and gas before? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So oil and gas is not an easy industry to go into digital. Let's imagine that uh, digital transformation is a marathon race. So where are the oil and gas companies? Are they far from finish line? Well, if you think that digital transformation is a marathon, but uh, I would say that the marathon that you should run in, uh, in sprints, because if you run a marathon itself, you will not see a result and you, well, before, you end, before the end of the race. And you need a really high endurance. And uh, in business, you will also need a huge amount of trust that is given to you. That's why, at, on one hand, we recently created the digital, digital transformation strategy. And the strategy is uh, towards the 2030. That's a huge amount of time. But at the same time, we say that each program should be not more than three years. And every year, the program should show how it moves. So it's like a marathon, but it's running sprints. Yeah, that's what, that was one of my questions further about your strategy that you currently announced. Uh, so can you tell us the key pillars that you have in it? Well, I think the key thing that we have um, underpinning our strategy is that, first of all, digital transformation itself is a pillar supporting the overall corporate strategy. So it's not a separate strategy. This is what we do to support the overall business strategy of the company. Second thing is that um, the key pillar is that in our company, business is the owner of changes. And every program that is uh, being done towards a digital transformation, the um, specific business owner owns and runs the program itself. Digital function can help with the excellence center, with resources, with planning, with a specific um, domain knowledge and expertise. But uh, for us, digital transformation is the change of business processes by means of the modern digital technologies. And it should be a process owner who owns and runs the change process itself.
Otherwise, I don't believe it's uh, feasible. What were the key challenges that you faced and you already started? I would say the, um, the key challenge, if you want to change anything, is the reason to change, to find a compelling reason to change for a company. In some industries, when they fa face disruptors, it's easier because when you come there, uh, people already understand that the industry is at least stagnating or uh, facing the disruptors that are changing the business model and there is something uh, important for the business to change. But in oil and gas, uh, it's hard to find a compelling reason to change. But um, you think that before you join a company. But when you are inside a business, you understand that there are a lot of challenges. The, the oil and gas itself is more technology-driven business. And um, the quality of um, assets that we currently see, specifically the new assets, uh, brings more and more new challenges. So you can find a reason to change inside the company itself. And um, also you can see that the oil and gas market itself is super volatile now. And um, there are a lot of talks about what is the future of the market itself, but I think most experts think that it can be different, but it will be volatile itself. It brings the challenge for all companies playing in this area to become more agile. In each industry, there is always such kind of moment which changes a lot the whole, you know, segment. For example, uh, Uber moments in transports or Airbnb moment in hotel industry. Is there anything that's going to happen in oil and gas? How do you think? I think for oil and gas, it's not a single point. I think for oil and gas, that's the overall market that we have to follow. And I think that the only thing that is clear to the players right now is that the market is volatile itself. There are different forecasts about the green energy proportions and about the uh, implication of autonomous driving uh, on it. And there is no uh, source of truth about that. But what we all agree on that the market itself is more volatile. That's why you have to make your company more efficient and more agile to be able to prepare to, to the changes. The one point that I think will happen to the industry is that um, the, your expertise in building and implementing the management technologies for the physical assets will be a key advantage of the company of the future. I think the company that is able to own, to develop and to implement this kind of technology for its physical asset will uh, definitely get a better and uh, sometimes dominant position on the market. Today we have a lot of next big things in digital and how to differentiate which one is worth investing and which one is not. You mm -hmm. go try. Well, two things that we use are that on one hand we created the what we call the digital uh, technological vision and um, this is a filter for us. So some of the technology we, uh, we consider as not mature enough to start uh, active experiments like uh, quantum computing. Quantum computing is promising but it's not ready yet to be practically implemented into oil and gas. While, well, when it will be created and um, commercially available, there, there are cases that can be interesting for us in mathematical modeling that can be done with quantum computing. So this is a filter, but if the technology is um, mature enough, and I would say machine learning in many, many areas is mature, then you have to start experiments, not about the technology itself, but about the particular application of technology to your business need. 
Talking about such things as digital initiatives, in many companies they discuss it on the level of investors. And does it work the same way in Gazpromneft? Do stakeholders take part in such kind of discussions? To a certain extent, because two things. Uh, in our company, it's prohibited to launch any digital initiative if you don't have the owner from the business side. Mm -hmm. And uh, secondly, how we structure it, we have our investment committees but for small digital initiatives, we define the small, tiny budget that uh, can be allocated to the initiatives on the early stage. We define that the stage cannot be longer than three months. And uh, our investment committee for this kind of initiatives is um, formatted as a pitch session. So the team comes as a startup and uh, they have to pitch their idea to the investment committee and then investment committee uh, can make a decision about budget allocation. And talking about return of investments, uh, digital transformation itself, it's a kind of risky project all the time for all companies. Specifically, previous year companies in oil and gas invested more than one and a half trillion dollars in this and only 30% gets outcome out of this. So how to avoid um, so to say, this kind of uh, situation? Well, I would say investment-wise, we applied three uh, things. First of all, on the early R&D stage, we created the internal um, strategy that we called Digital Technology Vision. And this helps us to structure our very initial early stage R&D. Uh, we are now able to do a lot of super small, tiny R&D projects. We do 150 pro uh, projects a year. Uh, which are allocated with the budget allocated towards R&D for digital um, technologies of early maturity. So this is the way for us to um, try, but not to spend too much before the technology is uh, ready for further implementation. Second, as I mentioned, if you want to launch a digital initiative itself, you also have the easy investment process, but the budget that can be allocated at the initial stage is very limited and the time is very limited. And then you have to demonstrate uh, first your prototype and the, then you can get the budget and time extension and then demonstrate the MVP. But after that, you have to prove that your initiative have a further positive financial implication. And third, as I mentioned in our strategy, we structure the strategy around the big uh, digital transformation program. And all these programs should have the positive financial outcome in three years. And how do you measure whether the project is successful or not if you have so not much time for this? Uh, it depends. So for the project on the early stage, the idea is to test a hypothesis. You should be clear in how you formulate the hypothesis and you spend all this time and money to prove the hypothesis. After proving it or after your initial research, you should have enough data to form a next hypothesis about the economical viability of the product of the project itself. And it will be a separate investment decision if we want to go further into this project where it's too risky and we want to test uh, some other hypothesis there. If the project is approved to be launched as a part of the program, the, the overall program has its own um, KPI tree with the business-related KPIs on top. Because we decided that it's hard to measure effect from a particular initiative, but it's easier to measure an effect from changing the business process itself. There is always a risk associated, and the, the way how you manage um, to limit this risk is by limiting the amount of money that you can allocate to the project on the risky stage. Mm -hmm. And um, is there any project that comes to your mind that didn't worth investing? Uh, I wouldn't say like that, because if you're right in, um, in making hypothesis, 
even if you decide not to continue with this project itself, uh, the company gets knowledge. And um, you can see this project is not successful, but we normally see that this project is successful because it brought us the information and knowledge that, for instance, a certain technology is too expensive right now to be financial vi financially viable. And I wouldn't say that uh, it, this project is unsuccessful. It, we only can say that the project is unsuccessful is it didn't prove that the hypothesis is uh, true or false. Mm. Then it's useless. It didn't bring us any knowledge. But if it brings the knowledge, it's fine. And what is the average budget that you have for such kind of hypothesis and tests? It depends. For uh, digital technology R&D, it's very small. It's, I would say, $20,000, $30,000 per project. Mm -hmm. And we consider it enough to test the hypothesis. For the early stage digital projects where the technology itself proved uh, that it worked, we can allocate a little bit less than 100, but not more for three months. Mm -hmm. And what if one of your vendors, for example, who is coming with the decision asks for more budget? Will it work? That's a precondition to all of them. If you want to participate with us and if you want to prove that your technology is worth considering, this is the budget and uh, lim limit and this is the time limit and most of them do work mm -hmm. because the, this is not about the commercial solution. They understand that there is an opportunity to scale it in the future. Um, but before you scale anything, well, show that you have something. Furthermore, in most of the cases, um, this is not about the ready project. Mostly, they also need some kind of cooperation to try their technology in your real environment. Sometimes they need your real data. Sometimes they need your subject matter expert. Sometimes they need to try their technology in the real production. So mm -hmm. uh, they normally need something from you as well, and not so only money. Do you share your data with vendors? If um, it, it's not a private data and if we apply this sort of certain masking algorithm that makes it possible to share parts of data, we do. But um, again, um, our approach is that we only work with a solution that can be um, delivered for in-house use. We, we don't uh, consider it that's long-term delivering all the process and data to external cloud because we, uh, we want it to be as close to our production facilities as possible. So that's also part of the technological viability study for us. Mm -hmm. And I know that you have corporate data storage projects. We do, we do. I, I think every company should do it. Uh, Yes, a good approach would be to make it hybrid when you can store something internally, something externally. But in any way, if you want to make your decision-making close to production, you have to think about how the data will move in and out. And you definitely should be confident that nothing happens with your data. There are no leakages of the sensitive data information. And in some industries, it's like a common practice to share data between each other for them to develop. But oil and gas is a kind of closed industry in this way. So what kind of data you can share with your competitors? I example? think that's the right approach. We are moving towards it. But um, you're right. Oil and gas is pretty conservative in terms of data that it can use. Uh, for instance, we think that in future sharing some of the data set for seismic information would be helpful for a lot of companies to uh, understand and process seismic better. I think a lot of data about dynamic equipment can also be shared. One of uh, the promising ideas of the future is uh, the digital company, digital oil company. And as far as I know, Gazprom Neft is, uh, has the same aim in the future, but it sounds a little bit futuristic. Do you think it's going to happen? We have a practical view on this. When we say uh, that our goal is to become a digital oil company, we say that 
uh, it means for us that we are an oil company, so we still um, manufacture oil and uh, uh, the, the results of refining oil and, and things like that. But what we want to achieve is that we want to manage our business processes and make decisions based on data. And this is a part of being digital, being an oil company. And I think that's pretty realistic. And any manufacturing, like a continuous manufacturing in gas, oil and gas, it's a pretty practical challenge. Mm -hmm. And what is the next step you're going to make to become the digital oil company? Well, that's what we're doing right now. So we, we run a certain uh, business digital transformation programs. Each program should convert one of, well, several of our business processes is uh, to be in digital, meaning that the data is digitized, the decisions are made uh, based on data, and the efficiency is higher. We developed a combined and shared vision across the whole company about what, uh, what is our digital strategy. And uh, the most important component of it is that business um, is running the, the, the transformation programs itself. So business agreed to be responsible for, for the KPIs of transformation. That, that's super important. I think that's uh, viable for, for this kind of change. Second thing, we are currently uh, starting a big program of transformation of our IT organization to be able to support these initiatives and to work closer with the business and uh, our goal is to make the joint team between the business and IT that will be focused on creating a product, uh, a products, and these products will be implemented into business. And I think it's pretty feasible to um, to do this transformation, like both of them, in uh, two years from now. And after that, I think we already have a different organization. And then the first first step of uh, or first stage uh, of our transformation is over. And um, the second thing, we also, in uh, two years from now, will be measuring the results, uh, the outcomes of our programs that we're running so far. And uh, I do hope that it will be pretty positive and generate a positive cash flow to the transformation pro uh, program itself. So uh, what I wanted to discuss also is the decision-making processes, because big data, AI, cognitive computing, everything is made for um, so reducing time for decision-making. and. Uh, does it already work in Gazprom Neft or still most of the decisions are made by person based on their experience? Well, I would say that oil and gas itself is an industry that is pretty much ready to make the decision based on data. Uh, for instance, on the very early stage of exploration, you start with building the conceptual geological model of the future asset. And uh, I don't think that any company that is not already making significant decisions based on data uh, can survive on the market that we are now. But what we are targeting is that we want to make these decisions faster and we want to step-by-step step remove a possible cognitive biases out of the decision-making process. Uh, one of our goals is to significantly reduce our exploration times and we see that already we have the models that are doing the work that previously was done by humans, geologists in months, like three, four months. Uh, we'll already have a set of models that can do the same work in minutes. Mm -hmm. If you do it, and it's on a critical path of the overall project, if you do it, you can uh, take like three, four months off the, um, the project itself, which has a very high positive effect wow. on the NPV of, it, of every project. This is our goal. And this is probably where uh, machine learning and AI can help. Do you have any examples coming to your mind? One of the examples is the, um, again, when you do a conceptual geological model of the asset, 
you can do it much faster if you rely f on algorithm for the analysis of part of the seismic information. It's not exactly the full model. You still need a geologist to make the final decisions, but a lot of uh, information that is currently being processed manually can be done. Also, if you're running the asset itself and you have uh, thousands of wells, it's impossible to, to do a correlation of uh, production data between all of the wells and find the optimal um, optimal intervals for them manually. That's why all the companies are building the integrated asset model. Mm -hmm. And are you talking about the digital oil project that recently was completed by Gazpromneft? When That's one of the examples. This was interesting because we were applying the, the machine learning algorithm with our partner to, uh, to actually process the geological information. And it's still in a working mode. We still, we're not saying that it's fully completed, but the results that we currently have is, are positive. We found some of the intervals that were missed in the previous times, and the, uh, we have the algorithm that predicted that it exists. And we did a production drilling, and we actually find an oil in the places where it was not uh, found before. Gazpromneft has more than 500 uh, digital projects ongoing and that's really impressive. So one more project I wanted to discuss, I've uh, heard from one of your colleagues on our, our congresses, which is blockchain uh, projects in Sremetyevo airports, where Gazpromneft became the first one in Russia who just transferred the aircraft refueling to smart contract system. So can you tell more about this? I think this is a good example um, of our initiative to change a business model and to integrate more with our customers and suppliers. We, we really did a pilot, it was last year in uh, one of the airports with uh, just one air company at the time. Uh, the goal of the pilot was to um, test if the smart contracts based on blockchain network can automate the process of uh, refueling the aircraft and paying for that. You can automate all of this and make it way uh, more hassle-free and faster if you rely on the smart contract between these three participants, between the bank, between the air company, and be between a fueling agent. And that's what we tried as a pilot last year, and we currently work on extending this to uh, new airports and newer companies and to make it productive. It's not yet happened, but I think it's our newest plans. They say that culture is uh, uh, the first, the number one hurdle to successful digital transformation. Do you agree with this statement? Definitely, different companies have a different culture. And you have to think about your corporate culture and what are its already existing key strengths that you can use to build a successful strategy implementation. We always strive to do better. We always strive to be the best. And this is what we hope to use also to be successful in digital transformation as well. Gazpromneft is a very huge company with a lot of people in it. So you can't just say, believe in it, and they will start believing in it. So uh, can you tell us more, how do you start uh, changing this corporate culture? Uh, what we try to do is that we try to uh, move simultaneously top-down and bottom-up. Top-down, it's super important that top management shows uh, and demonstrates their support to, to the projects, to the initial projects that you do. Sometimes these projects can be tiny for the, uh, for the scale of such a huge company. But if the top management shows that uh, they appreciate this moment, they appreciate the small successes, and that they're involved, they are interested in it, then uh, people start uh, to consider it as a new behavioral pattern that is recognized and avoided. And that's important. 
On the other hand, you should work a lot about the education of people and showing them the possibilities and opportunities that you can do. And you can work with your internal processes to make it easier to launch a new, a new project or a new product inside a company and give them a certain right to fail. It should be limited because in the culture of oil and gas company, you normally do not have a right to fail. That's manufacturing. This is not a place where you can fail. But at the same time, this is a digital project for manufacturing and you can set a limits within which uh, you give them a safe zone to, for experiment, to give them a safe zone uh, to try and fail uh, if they not succeed. And you can show them, you have to show them and demonstrate them that it's still an appreciated behavior pattern to try. Talking about agile methods, it's a kind of hype nowadays on the market, so everyone uses it and even in our company IT department always works with it. Was it difficult to integrate uh, this method in your company? It could be hype, but first agile project that I participated in happened more than 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a very practical method, but you have to understand where it's uh, applicable and where not. Because to be able to apply Agile, first of all, you need the team itself. The team of the product can achieve itself. Because if they cannot deliver on, on what they promise, after a couple of sprints, you will understand that people will not accept this culture. They only can accept it when they see that working together in a short interval, in a cross-functional team, they are able to deliver something that they were not able to deliver before. And this is, I think, the big difference. Because in some organization, um, Agile becomes a hype and then people uh, start to apply Agile without a deep understanding of what the approach is to, um, to the areas where it's impossible to create a deliverable, it's impossible, it's out of control of the team. And if it's so, pretty soon people will be disappointed. They will say that this is probably not the approach that they are going to use. So for us, we try to be careful with implementing Agile practice and implement it where the team can deliver and try to stop the overuse of Agile work um, in some other areas. Mm -hmm. It's like shiny object syndrome, right? Kind of, kind of. And uh, did you notice such kind of syndrome somewhere in frames of your structure? Sometimes we see that people are delivering a certain service and uh, within a service they say that, all right, let's rename our service as a product, which is not true, well, for some of the cases. And then, well, our approach is not to say that you shouldn't do it. Our approach is to sit together and think how, well, if you actually want to create a product, if you really want to work agile on it, what are the obstacles? How do we um, make the whole process under control of the team if it's possible? Mm -hmm. And talking about uh, the team itself, did you hire the new team or you just continue working with the previous Well, company? I tried to combine. Uh, we invited several people from inside the company to bring some um, internal knowledge to the team because bringing the whole team from outside is super risky because mm -hmm. you'll bring a brilliant people but they don't understand the company they don't understand the business processes they don't know the industry itself so we try to combine and the part of the team is from inside the company we have many people uh, with a vast background working in oil and gas and uh, some of them with it background some of them with finance background in oil and gas but uh, there are many people who we invited from from outside the company and these are people from very different industries uh, we have people from uh, web companies large web companies we have people from banks we have people from telcos we have people from other manufacturing companies and how do you cope with the problem of hiring high talented team talented people nowadays they want to create great products and a great team 
and basically you have to prove both that you are going to make a great product and uh, there is a great team um, it's easier to do when you have a core of the team assembled before you do it you have to talk to several people at once and you have to persuade them there is a great group of people uh, joining all together to form a great team and you have to sell the vision of what you're going to do mm -hmm. and i think we managed to do it some of the leaders of our excellent center, really brilliant people, uh, one of the best that you can find in the country. And recently you announced also that Gazprom Neft is going to open the digital headquarters in St. Petersburg, specifically on New Holland Island. So can you comment on this? Well, basically what we're looking for is that uh, we're trying to build the, um, the office space who would help us to break the silos inside a company. The goal was to do two things. So first, well, we want to build the uh, cross-functional team between business and IT and digital people. That, that's one story. And secondly, as uh, most of the vertically integrated companies, we have uh, big silos in the company like upstream, downstream, retail, so we try all well, corporate functions. So we try to build an office space uh, which will be available for any product, uh, product-based team, no matter uh, which part of the company it represents. But I can say that a year ago we opened a pre-project, our current uh, office where we do work now. And uh, last week it was recognized as one of the best uh, design projects in St. Petersburg last year. Are you planning to become something like a dream job like Google? A lot of people who come to our office nowadays, they compare the office to um, web companies' headquarters, like Google headquarters. I'm always saying that I don't think that for us uh, Google is a good uh, comparable because if if you want to work in the web company you will probably strive to work there uh, but the value proposition that we can create is for the people who spend a lot of time doing web projects to um, give them a touch of something physical because as the oil and gas company we have a lot of huge physical assets and what we offer to the people is the project who will uh, really change the the real physical world and that's nice and that motivates people. That's a part of creating the, the great product. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you for answer. Many huge companies are suffering from uh, off-the-shelf digital solutions when they are not that customized as they want. Do you have such kind of problems as well? Uh, to a certain extent, uh, what we think is that uh, some of the software leaders of the past when they were selling the solutions to you, they were selling you solution with their set of uh, predefined or pre-optimized uh, business processes. Uh, but I think that for now, to make further, to, to move further, um, very few of them are able to tell you uh, what is the best business process of the future. Very few of them are able to create the ultimate uh, working solution without your knowledge, your domain expertise, without your data. And that's why we believe more in co-creation. And we have the partners, uh, including the world leading companies, who are um, ready to work in co-creation process with us, where we create the product with the joint IP. So do you want to create a digital platform in-house, right? We definitely need a digital platform or whatever we call a digital platform. For us, a digital platform, first of all, that's a unified corporate architecture for digital projects. And this is what we are doing. We are doing it in-house but we rely a lot on the open source technology which are leading in many sectors um, available on the market and uh, what we also do is that we invite all of our partners um, 
existing partners or potential partners to cooperate based on the open infrastructure, open architecture and co-create. Mm-hmm. Do you have special team working with startups? Uh, we don't have a single team in the company who is dedicated to working only with startups. We have centers of excellence for different kind of technologies such as AI or blockchain or VR. And this center of excellence, they uh, do digest the market and uh, they're looking for startups who are doing uh, great technologies in their area. Because what we also do is that our paradigm is um, if the solution exists, just buy it. If it doesn't exist, then you can start thinking about creating something. My company business area is uh, the event organization and uh, we are doing congresses and conferences on different kind of uh, segments and industries. So uh, how do you think, is there any opportunity for me as a company, for example, if I'm the participant, to make you interested in my solutions? Uh, definitely yes, but um, I think the way to, to do it is to, well again, do two things. So first, show me that you have a solution or show me that you have a part of the solution and that you're looking for the joint cooperation onto creating something bigger than you and I can create alone. Mm-hmm. And then I'm definitely interested to talk. And what if I just have an idea that I want to develop and I'm looking for the investments or... Then I go to the venture, venture session pitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and would you take part in such kind of session? Of course, we said that we created a venture fund that can participate in that. Mm-hmm. And for me as a startup, what should I do to make you interested? Well, we did two things. So first, uh, as I said, we have uh, excellent centers um, that are responsible for different kind of technology. They, want, they, they struggle and uh, they do everything that they want to make their agenda as open as possible to the public. So we do the Open Technology Day, we invite startups to demonstrate their technology to the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also, if we do any kind of procurement, it's all public and it's published on our website. So if you're a startup, you can uh, participate in our demo days or you can participate in the Open Technology Days and tell about your products. You can also uh, bid and apply for uh, any pr- procurement procedure. But I guess there is a huge competition on this. So how can I just stand out among the others? For you to be interested, uh, for I mean, everybody looking for the good product market fit. So in our case, we're looking for the solution or technology that fits the need of internal customer. Because again, inside a company, you cannot launch a project if you don't have the business customer inside, backing the project. Um, but for some startups, it's also important, if, if you don't have a ready product, it's also important to be open for cooperation because sometimes you have a good people, you have a good piece of technology, but to make it a working product, you need a cooperation from a major player. Do you have any experience when you just made the startup part of your company and part of your structure? Not yet. We just launched uh, uh, recently a venture fund, the corporate venture fund. With uh, it's not only if, um, we're not only Gazprom Neftis participant, but some um, other organization on the market. Uh, but it just recently started to work. We we expect some outcome uh, in the near future. What would be your key goal in case you come to the event? Two things that I'm interested in when I'm visiting event. First, I want more and more companies to share their cases and to share their knowledge about um, what worked for them and what's not. And the more we share not only success stories, but some of the, well, you can call it fail stories, but again, uh, I would say that experience stories 
the better because it can save the whole uh, industry a lot of time and money and this is what people currently are interested in mm -hmm. and what is probably not very popular to talk about but it, it will happen it will happen all of us are at the early stages but there are companies who are working for it for quite a long time when they share their knowledge that's that's really valuable uh, secondly the other participants from the companies who want to manufacture something who want to offer, offer something to you they have a good time to showcase what they do but for them again they shouldn't be too generic nobody's going to buy lots of digital all-you-can-do platforms uh, basically you will be more oriented to specific examples when you see a team of good professionals uh, combining the knowledge from the industry and from the technology who are able to create something unique and great and then uh, if it exists you will definitely make a buy decision other than to to copy or to to do something on your own mm -hmm. and would you rather share a kind of experience projects as well from your side oh, we, we definitely will we are probably at the to a certain extent early stage but what we already ready to do is we are ready to to tell about our experiments for any of the digital technology when we were building the map of our digital strategy vision and they were ready to shell uh, to to share the knowledge what works what is not we already do it at home okay it's our blitz part with a short question so i need just short answers from your side try not to think too much on this okay. uh, what mobile app do you open first in the morning my mail Okay, give a motivation quote for your CDO colleagues. Uh, don't stop. <laughs> Great. Lord of the Rings or the Game of Thrones? Uh, I'm old school, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> okay. Uh, in which country would you like to meet your retirement? Uh, at home. And where would be your home? In Russia. What is your guilty pleasure? A good question. Um, computer games. Oh, really? Which one <laughs> is your favorite? Uh, for now uh, on the PlayStation Uncharted. Hmm. Okay. Agile or Waterfall? It depends. <laughs> what inspires you the most? Uh, result. Takeaway or homemade food? It depends. Homemade is better if you have time. And the last one. What is your favorite part of your job? Uh, working with my team and the result again. Okay, great. Thank you very much.